Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. This is a handout that I was going to give you guys on the way out, um, but I wanted to make sure, especially for those of you that didn't get a bulletin, this is really the message today. If I could give you a summation of what I'm going to be talking about, it's going to be the fact that in the book of Ephesians, uh, that we are unified in Jesus Christ. Can you hear an amen to that, everyone? That we are unified in Jesus Christ. And so this is a reading plan. We've come out of a teaching series where we've been looking at the uh, the teachings of Jesus through the Beatitudes. And we every week we looked at a different way that we could move from being a cultural Christian to being a Talmudin. That is a, that is a fancy Greek word for a disciple of Jesus. And now what we're going to do is we're going to be moving into a book that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And I'm going to be talking about what Ephesus is. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to say a special hello to those of you that are watching online. And we want to say thank you for doing that. So many of you are doing it as you've traveled. Um, but also, we're making some improvements to our online campus. And I can hear them applauding from Cyberworld. Uh, and our hope is, is that it's going to continue to get better and better. Obviously, we would love for you to be here physically with us. But if you can't, we would like for our online community to be the very best possible. So thank you for continuing to make that possible through your through watching, but also through your giving as well. So with that being said, if you do have your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn with me to the book of Ephesians. And I'd also love for you to uh, go ahead and uh, grab out your, your, your message notes. For those of you, this is going to be funnier later that you're predestined to get one of those. That's funny. If you read Ephesians, that's a little bit of insider humor there. Um, but some of you are thinking to yourself, what is an Ephesus, Right? What is an Ephesian? I've got a map, right? For those of you that enjoy uh, maps, if you would, go ahead and go, go to this first one right here. Okay, so you all see the, the red dot? Yep, say yep, I see it. Okay, well, it is in an area... Uh, that is, they're in the Mediterranean part of the world. Uh, there, there's Greece. You see Greece to the left would be Rome. Uh, there's a country there uh, called Turkey. Maybe you know someone that lives there, a friend, a family member. Um, but you can kind of see that general neck of the woods. That spot, you know, on the map is the location to this day you can go to Ephesus. And it is the same location that the Apostle Paul wrote this book to 2,000 years ago. But not only did he write this book, if you would go to the next map, please. We're going to see that he also wrote some of these other books as well to this region of the world. Galatia to the right. You see down below there where it says Egypt. You see Egypt. You can also see Israel. Can't wait to go to Israel with you guys. We're looking forward to that. But also Ephesians, uh, which is to the church in Ephesus. Galatia which is the book of Galatians, a Colossae, which is where we have the book called what? Colossians, good. A Corinth, there's a couple of letters to there, to Corinth. Philippi, which is where the book of what? Philippians is good. Thessalonica and Rome. And so these are these Pauline epistles. These are the letters and the location from which where Paul wrote. Now, uh, there are 27 books in the New Testament. 
And of those 27 books, it's interesting to note that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, 13 of those, which means that he is probably, outside of Jesus, the most prolific writer of what it means to be a Christ follower in its very, very significance. And this book that we're going to be studying for the next two months is one of those books that the Apostle Paul wrote. And he wrote to a very unique uh, culture, but his context is interesting that he wrote this particular letter and a few others from chains. He was actually in prison. And maybe you guys feel like you're imprisoned in life right now. And from there that you're just trying to navigate what's going on. Well, that was literally Paul's experience in prison writing these letters. It's also interesting to note this, that the apostle Paul had a protege. Does anyone know what Paul's protege's name was? Timothy. Good. And so if you've ever heard of Timothy, show of hands. How many of you guys ever heard of Timothy? Let me see your hands. Okay. If you've ever heard of Timothy, um, it would be Paul was like the discipler and Timothy was the disciplee. And Timothy was actually a pastor. And he was a pastor in the city of Ephesus. And so when Paul is writing the, to the church of Ephesians, guess who the pastor was? Timothy. And so that makes Ephesians one of, if not the most prolific books in the New Testament outside of the gospel for a lot of reasons. I want to keep that map up there a little bit longer there, but I I want you to realize is that he was writing to an area of the world, and this is interesting for us, unless you are of Jewish descent, and by the way, Jesus was Jewish, but unless you are Jewish by blood origin, that makes you, what's the opposite of a Jew? A Gentile. And when Jesus was teaching in the Galilee region of Israel, his audience was what? Jewish people. But here, Paul is writing to Gentiles. And that's unique and different. Let me tell you why. It's unique and different because the audience Jesus was speaking to were Jewish people and their sensibilities and their understandings. But Paul is writing to a non-Jewish mentality, a Greek Roman mentality, Greco-Roman. And that's significant is, is because our culture today in the West has been way more impacted by this Greek culture of learning and thought than Jewish. Is that making sense, everyone? And so when you're, when you're tracking with the teachings of Jesus, sometimes you're like, man, that just seems so different. Well, it's different because Jesus was speaking to a Jewish culture. But Paul is writing to this culture in this Greek mindset. And so what we're going to have to do is we're just going to have to put on a little bit of a different lens to understand what he is doing here. One last observation before we jump into the text. It is a port city, Ephesus was. You can see the little inlet that goes that way. And it was significant for two reasons. One, if you're a port city, that means that people are shipping their Amazon goods through your substation, right? And that means that you're controlling the tax. That means that you're controlling uh, uh, also the, the culture. So they're, 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 they're a wealthy They're a wealthy city, but they also, as the primary church that the Apostle Paul wrote through and to, they had influence as well. So whatever was happening in Ephesus would spread its way to the other churches. And I think it's important that we get to the heart of this before I pray. Because it's important, Bethany, that we continue to allow our heart to beat for the things of God's heart. Amen? Paul had another 
a collaborator that wrote to the church in Ephesus, and his name was John. He was the revelator. He wrote on behalf of the Holy Spirit under his guidance, the book of Revelation. And it's interesting that John wrote these words to the church in Ephesus. He said, and would you not fall away from your first what? Love. And that'd be my heart and my prayer for us as well. Would you join me in prayer, church? Let's pray. So Lord God, as we enter into this new teaching series, this new season of of life, would our hearts and our minds be unified? Would our identities be rooted and grounded in you? And would we continue to live with you and for you in unity so that we can stand up against the oppositions of this dark world in victory? And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you would, Ephesians chapter 1. I don't know if you've ever read a book in the Bible before in your life, um, but we're getting ready to do that. But before we do that, what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you the framework from which I have found to be very, very helpful. There are three words that are on your notes, and I want you to write these down on your notes. And if they're not on your notes, I'd love for you to... Take a photo of that as, or you can, um, you can watch online a little bit later. But it's three words and I want you to repeat this after me. Sit, walk, stand. Say that out loud with me, everybody. Sit, walk, stand. And so this is not my idea, but rather one of the best books that I've ever been exposed to uh, came from a Chinese pastor by the name of Watchman Nee. And these were the words and the phrases that he helped Because he himself was arrested. And he himself, under communist China, was put in prison for his belief. It was from that context that he wrote this, his understanding of the book of Ephesians. And it's fascinating, by the way. And he talks about these three words, sit, walk, and stand. Let me unpack that for you real quick, because this is the grid. That we're seated in Christ. And that's where our unity comes from. This is our identity. And so the, 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 the handout that I gave you is our identity in Jesus Christ. And so the whole first chapter that we're going to talk about today is this whole idea of being seated and sitting under the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. The next one is this, if you would, next slide, is that we're walking. That we're walking out our faith together in Christ Jesus. That's our identity. And it is within this, that when we're walking this out, that this leads to unity. Would you write that down on your notes? That when we're in Christ and when we're under His authority and we're walking this out in faith, this is going to lead to the kind of unity that the world is going to see around us and they're going to say, wow, there's something different about them. They're unified in Christ's love. And, and, and they're going to know that we are Christians by what? Our love, that we're not going to fall away from our first love. And then the last part, which is the very end of Ephesians, so it's kind of bookended with this idea of unity, but then the last part is going to be standing against the enemy. We're familiar with Ephesians chapter 6. Remember that our battle's not against flesh and blood, but it's against the, the principality and the forces of the dark world. But when we stand up against the enemy, here's what happens. We have victory in Christ Jesus. Amen? We have victory in Christ Jesus that the battle has been won. That in Christ we're victorious. And that, that a lot of times what's going to happen is, is we're, we're going we're gonna to wonder, am I going to come out of this on the other side winning or losing? And I want to remind you that I read the end of the book and we win, everybody. Jesus wins. This is good news. And so in Christ, against the enemy, the result is victory. So those three words I found to be very, very helpful of uncoding, understanding, viewing, and reading this ancient text with very real 
help in our lives. So if we would, if you have your Bibles, follow along. Whatever translation you like, follow along. But up on the screens is going to be the NIV. We have the Apostle Paul writing from prison, Apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus. The faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And one observation there before we go to verse, uh, go back. One observation in those first two verses is, is that we, um, we are holy people. And that our idea is that we're, we're going to be different, that we're going to be faithful. And that's what it means not to be a cultural Christian, but to be a disciple of Jesus. Verse three, if you would, let me read it for you. Praise be to our God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has everyone say blessed us. We just came out of two months of talking about the blessings of God in the beatitude that we are blessed. Blessed are those of you when you. So we now know what this blessing means, that he has blessed us in the heavenly realms. A lot of times they're like, I want my blessing here on earth. Tough biscuits, okay? We need to realize that the blessing for many of us is going to come one day in heaven, in the heavenly realms, and every spiritual blessing, I want everyone to say, in Christ. In Christ. Now this is where our unity comes from, and you're going to be understanding this first movement in this chapter. Next verse, please. For He chose us in Him, in Christ, before creation of the world to be holy, which means different, blameless in His sight, in His love. He predestined us for adoption, like some of you were predestined to get a bulletin, uh, to the sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will. So there is this thing that is happening that God is creating a church family that is going to last for how long, everyone? Forever. And it's been the beginning of time. He knew you'd be here today, Bethany. He knew you'd be watching online. And he's doing something bigger than you even realize. Next verse, please. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us. Let's go ahead and say this out loud, everyone. In the one he loves. Now, pause there real quick. To my left, to your right, is a baptistry. Inside, there's some water. And as a response to our message today, we are going to celebrate baptism in Jesus Christ. This is exciting. And uh, for those, some people have come prepared to get baptized today. And, and our hope would be we're going to keep this shorter if the preacher doesn't go too long. And our goal would be is that you all would be able to celebrate this identity statement in Jesus Christ. And here's why this is important. That phrase right there, in the one he loves, only shows up two times in Scripture. Right here and another unique place. Is that the baptism of Jesus? So Jesus is being baptized. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in the form of a what? A dove. And an audible voice from heaven says, This is my son, my beloved, who I am well pleased. So it's interesting to note that from the inception the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry, it was from the moment of baptism. His identity was established as the one and only beloved Son of Christ. Listen, this is not a coincidence. Paul is saying that he is, beloves us as well. That we're his sons and his daughters. And I don't know how you feel about yourself, but friends, he loves you. You're his beloved and you're in Christ. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Next verse, please. 
that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Christ. Next verse. goes on to say, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring everyone, I want you to say the word unity. Unity. So this whole teaching series is around this word right here. It's our unity in Christ to all things in heaven and on earth and where, everyone, and even under, in who everyone Christ. So this whole, it seems like a bit of a a redundancy here, but I want to remind you that the Apostle Paul is writing to a group of new believers and he's just pounding home this idea of that, that we are unified in Christ and that our, our unity is only going to be possible through our identity in him, in him alone. Verse 11, in him, we were chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to his will. In order that we who were first to put our hope, everyone say in Christ, in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Verse 13, and you also were in what, everyone? In Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked, what, everyone? In him, right, in Christ. Listen to this. The seal, the promised Holy Spirit who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are in God's possession for the praise of His glory. Now, at the end of the message today, you're even going to know, for those of you that were predestined to have the bulletin, you're going to notice the next steps on the bottom of it. The very first one is that you would make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, that you would repent from your sins. The Bible says that we're not mistakers, that we're sinners, that we'd repent from that and that we would put our hope and our faith in Jesus because of what he's done. And at that moment, there's a spiritual transaction that happens and that our sins are taken from us and that we're redeemed and we're restored and we're empowered under the compulsion of the Holy Spirit. I love this. It's like a seal that happens in our life of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And for those of you today that choose to put your hope in Jesus Christ, this spiritual transaction is possible for you. New life in Christ empowered by the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say, who's the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and the redemption um, of, uh, um, of those in God's possession to the praise and to the glory. If you would go to the next slide, please. Verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. Now, that's where these Bible journals come into play. For those of you that were given those who I am in Christ handouts, that's going to be a Bible reading plan. And I'm going to pack that in just a moment. But this is where we as disciples say, I want to not only read God's word, but I want it to read me. And then I'm going to start to spiritual journal the truth. And that's what he means right here, that we will be given wisdom through his word and that we're going to be giving revelation so that we can know him better. And the idea of knowing him better for today is that our identity would be clear in Christ Jesus. Let's go on to the next verse. We're on the home stretch here, everybody. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of the glorious inheritance of the holy people. And this incomparable great power for us who we believe that the power is the same as the mighty strength exerted when he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Pause there for a moment. Paul is saying that resurrection power 
The power that allowed Christ to defeat death and resurrected Him to new life, that same power, when we come up out of the waters of baptism, that new hope that we have in Jesus Christ is available for us today. Can anybody testify to that and say amen? That means that we're not trying harder. That means that when we are weak, He is strong. That there is a a new power source in our life. And it is the Holy Spirit through our identity in Jesus Christ that makes it possible for us to live in unity and stand in victory. He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and He seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion. Every name that is invoked. (coughs) Sorry. Not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Last two verses and we're done. And God placed all of these things, if everyone please say this all out of me, under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything, the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. This entire first chapter is about one word and it is the word identity. Do you all say identity? It's our identity. And if you, if you don't remember one, one other thing that we talked about today, I would want for you to remember the word identity. And identity is not what we do. It's, it's not what we own. Our identity is not what we've accomplished, but our identity is who we are in Jesus Christ. One of the things that I know many of us love to do is we love to, we love to travel coach on airplanes and we like to get seated awkwardly next to strangers. Amen to that, right? We love that. And one of the things that we love to do when we're flying in those, you know, those like cramped quarters is we love that moment when you have nothing else to ask the person. One of the very first things that anyone says is what? What do you do? Imagine being an atheist sitting next to a pastor. Isn't that a fun conversation? Can you imagine that? Well, that's been the luck of my draw the last two or three times I've flown. What do you do? I'm like, it's funny you should say that. I'm a pastor. It's like, chirp, chirp, chirp. Awkward moment. Insert here. But I need you to know that that pastor isn't who I am. It's not even really like what I do. Friends, I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. And, and for those of you that are going back to work this week, Miss Principal, you're not a principal. Teacher, student, accountant, mom, dad, those are all things that we do, but they're ultimately not who we are. We are who we are in Christ Jesus. And a lot of times in our culture, we get it a little wacky. We start thinking that who we are is where we live or what we drive or what's in the bank account or not in the bank account what we've succeeded in or what we've lost in. And what I appreciate about that is that this was the mentality from which the Apostle Paul was writing to in Ephesus. You see, in Ephesus, they were very religious. They had a lot of gods. Um, the particular god of this region was a goddess by the name of Artemis. I've got a picture showing up here of a temple that would have been built. There are ruins of this temple to this day when we go to this area and the, the, the temple to Artemis would have been a temple that would have been, would have, now by the way, Artemis was the daughter of Zeus. Zeus was a pretty powerful guy. He had a lot of power, a lot of juice. And his daughter, Artemis, was the goddess of sexuality and provision. And there's some children in the room. So I will not go into detail about what happened behind those, um, columns, but think Las Vegas. 
And it was within this culture uh, that, that Paul was writing to. A, a culture that valued money, sex, power, and influence. This was the God of this culture. And Paul was writing in this and he was saying, it is going to be so important, young believers, that your identity in Christ is solid. Because if it's not, you're going to fall to this. You're going to fall to the culture, by the way, that is our culture today. Do you guys agree with me on that? This is not too far off of what we're experiencing right now. And and for myself personally, um, I need to be reminded of this, even in the church world. For those of you that, that the, the things that is mentioned to you, um, they're not a temptation for you. Um, others of you are like, dude, it's where I'm living, right? But for those of you that are like, yeah, 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 whatever. Um, I want to remind you that for those of us that have grown up in the church, maybe we've grown up in a Christian home, we've been given all these opportunities. As a firstborn, I've always felt this need to kind of just prove myself. This need to just kind of show everybody that was I was competent and capable, likable, and I could do the job. But in the midst of that, what has happened is, is that when I'm not careful and I forget whose I am, I can start the process of trying to prove my worth to God through my deeds. Can anyone relate with that? Right? I mean, how many of you guys love the book of James, right? Prove you're saved, right? Prove it. And what I have to be reminded of is though there is a place where my fruitfulness is going to be on display to show my salvation, what Paul is driving home at here is this. It, it's, it's not about what you do as much as whose you are. And when we operate out of an identity and we're rooted in Jesus Christ, it's called grace. And we experience this the, 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 uh, we experience what Christ is doing, not based on me trying harder, but what Christ has done on the cross. If you guys are taking notes, I want you guys to fill this in. Because this, I believe, is what's happening in our culture today. And it is a lot of disunity. And we have a challenge. Ooh, did I, did I jump ahead here real quick? I think we're good. Yeah, if you would. Our challenge. And that is, is that we have disunity because we forget our identity. And, and I'm not gonna talk politics. But we're a very divided nation right now. Would you guys agree with me on that? I mean, we're, we're just, we just are. We're, we're, we're divided not only politically, we're, we're divided, um, a lot of ethnic things going on, a lot of social things happening. But we're also divided not only on a national level, but also, have you seen the world events lately? There's, there's people bombing things and blowing things up because of their religion or because of the color of their skin. Um, and not only are we divided globally and nationally, but sometimes we, we get divided even relationally. You guys have any tensions right now in any relationships in your life right now? Like maybe with a, a sibling or, or with a family member or coworker, Maybe even somebody in the church. Maybe even somebody sitting in the same row. Or they used to sit in the row, now they sit in the other row. Because of disunity. And, and this is our challenge. Our challenge is, is that we're going to struggle to have unity unless we're really focused in on our identity of who we are in Christ. And so here's the choice, if you would write this down, is that we have to embrace who we are in Christ. 
And, and the fill in the blank on your notes is this, is that we need to embrace who we are in Christ Jesus. And we need to embrace what He says about us. And there are three things in the book that I have found to be very, very helpful. An author by the name of um, Neil Anderson in the book, um, Living Free in Christ. This particular book is where I want to give credit where credit's due on this insert that we handed out to a lot of you. And this is what I want you to maybe focus in on through the course of this series are these three statements that he says about us. If you're taking notes, if you would write down statement number one, that in Christ Jesus, we are accepted. Everyone say the word accepted. That accepted. And next to this, on these notes, are going to be what he says about us in the Gospel of John, Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians. And Colossians that we're children of God. We've been justified. We're the body of Christ. We're saints. We're daughters. We're sons. We've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is who we are. We have been accepted in Christ. He accepted us before we ever thought to accept Him. Number two, if you would write down the next one, is that we are secure in Christ. That that is our foundation. Our security is in Christ and in Christ alone. That in the security of Him, that we're no longer condemned. That we are loved by God. We've been empowered by His Spirit. And He meets us in our time of need. We can find security in Christ. And then number three, if you would, down this last one, especially my guys and my gals out there that struggle with a sense of just, am I good enough? Do I need to work harder? We're significant in Christ. That who we are in Christ is significant. That, that He calls us. We're a part of the vine. We're His temple. We've been reconciled. We're His workmanship. And these are all of the things that God says about us. That who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ, is that we are accepted. We are secure. And we are significant. So on your journals this week, what I want you to do is I just want you to be writing that down. I want you to be focusing in on who you are in Him. And here's why this is important, everyone. It's because there's a spiritual reality out there that wants you to forget this. There's a spiritual reality out there that there's an enemy and he's a deceiver and he's a liar. He, he likes to manipulate truth. He likes to compromise truth. And you know what he really loves to do? He loves to remind you of the screw-ups that you've done in the past. He loves to dig up all the times that you've messed up and screwed up and you, you felt like a failure. And this is kind of not on your notes, but maybe you need to write this down. Every time the devil reminds you of your past, you need to remind him of his future. Every time he tries to dig all that stuff up, you need to say, you know what? Read the end of the book, you lose, dude. That in Jesus Christ, I am victorious. And I can stand up under whatever the enemy wants to do to tell me that I am not good enough, that I'm not acceptable, that I'm not significant, and that my security is in doubt. And so what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks when we're in this is we're going to have a benediction at the end of every one of our times together. And it's going to come from Ephesians chapter 4. And what I would love for us to do is I'd love for us to read this together. Ephesians 4, verse 4 and 6. Let's read it out to church. Here we go. There is one body and one spirit just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That verse is about unity, is it not? That who we are in God, who we are in Christ, who we are as the church, our faith, our Lord, 
our baptism. So here's the big idea, if you would write this down. Summarize it all into this, is that our identity is in Christ and it will lead to the unity of the church. That when we are secure in who God calls us to be, our identities in Him, it will lead to unity in the church. And when there is disunity, the reason is, is because people have become fuzzy on their identity. And so this is kind of the big idea that I want us to wrestle with. So how are you going to respond to that? As I prepare to close, the band's going to make their way on up for this final song. This is how we're going to conclude this morning's worship service together. It's going to be through baptism. So we're going to, we're going to have this final song. Um, and then what we're going to do, we, we have a couple that are already scheduled. Um, and I would love for you to stick around a, as long as you can. We, we, we're, going to, we're going to get done in about an hour. Like we're, we're faster than lens crafters here at Bethany Church, right? Everybody about an hour, right? <laughs> but I would love for you to be able to see, if you've never seen baptism before, of what's going to be happening over here. And this is going to be a symbolic expression. This is going to be a symbolic outpouring of a person's life that, that was before Christ, dying to themselves and being raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And, and before that baptism, what we're going to do is, is we're going we're, we're gonna to introduce them and then they're going to share a short testimony. We're not talking, or just a minute. Of, of, of this new identity that they have in Jesus Christ. And then a, a loved one, a family member is going to be a part of this baptism process. And so for those of you that are set and ready to get baptized, um, you, you guys have already kind of met with one of our pastors. Uh, Janice is going to be over here. You can go to her. You guys know what to do. You guys are going to get changed right now. But for those of you in here today where maybe you've never out of obedience been baptized, um, I just wanted to extend an opportunity to say, why not today? And you might be thinking to yourself, well, I wasn't prepared. Well, good news is we prepared for you. We went ahead and our deacons went out to Walmart and got some shorts and some shirts, got some towels. And I'm just saying is, is today would be a beautiful day to get baptized. And so if the Holy Spirit, when we stand and it's time to sing, if the Holy Spirit is, is just like laying on your heart that this is something that you need to do, then, then, then go talk to Janice and we'll, we'll get you dialed in you get a free t-shirt out of the deal, right? For some of you, you're thinking to yourself, oh, I don't want to mess up my hair and my makeup's going to run. Don't worry, guys. You know what I mean? You know, I mean, you know, you don't have to worry about that. You guys look just fine as you are. But you know what it is? It is, it is, it is a very inconvenient thing to do, get wet. Super inconvenient. Like, you're going to get wet. Your hair's going to go down. Um, but you know what else is super inconvenient? Jesus died on a cross. That was super inconvenient. Super bad day. But I'm so thankful that he did. You know, he who knew no sin became sin that day so that we could become the righteousness of God. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to celebrate. And on the bottom of your notes, it's that repentance. It's turning to God out of obedience, being baptized, and then a collective decision to walk in the newness of Christ. And so if you would, let's stand to our feet at this time. If you're ready to get baptized, I'll encourage you to go there to your right. Go talk to Janice. Go talk to some of our pastors. Go talk to some of our spiritual leaders. Let me pray, and then we're going to close in this final song. So Holy Spirit, would you do what you need to do now? Would you, would you, in our hearts and our minds, would you remind us of who we are in you, our identity is in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And that in that, God, that you would cause us to want to live more in unity with each other, God, 
knowing that that's going to be really hard. That's going to be like three or four chapters of what does that look like? We'd be reminded that there's an enemy of our soul right now that wants to just get us inwardly focused, wants us to be at conflict with each other. But God, you are the one who loves us and you've called us together. You're redeeming and renewing and restoring and you're making all things better for your glory. We're thankful for that, Jesus Christ, and we love you so much. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. It's good. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.